0: All right, we got uh, some horse people here at Crossroads Napoleon. Love our horse people, but many in the racing world would say that they believe that a thoroughbred by the name of Secretariat was and probably is the greatest racehorse of all times. Secretariat still holds the fastest time For these three triple crown races, no horse before him or since him has run the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, or the Belmont Stakes as fast as he has. Big Red, as he was called, gave his very finest performance in the 1973 Belmont Stakes when he not only broke the track record, but finished the race 31 lengths before the closest next horse. 31 lengths. Now, here's the sad part of the story. Secretariat died in 1989 after a very happy several years out on the stud farm. But he died... (laughs) And they autopsied this horse to discover what in the world made this horse as fast as he was. And they discovered that Secretariat's physical heart was two and a half times larger than that of the standard horse. He literally had a big heart. Now this morning we're going to be reminded that when it, be, it comes to being a servant of God, our heart makes all the difference in the world. We're in a two-week teaching series, the second of those, called Served to Serve. Jesus served us so that we might be able to serve others. Last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus redefined greatness— In our world, greatness is often based on the accumulation of things, again, like power and prestige and possessions and position. Our world believes that great people should be served rather than serve others. However, in Mark chapter 10, verse 43, last week we saw that Jesus redefined greatness when he said, whoever wants to become great must be your servant. Whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And then in John 13, we saw an incredible scene from the upper room when Jesus Christ, right before he's arrested and and steps to the cross, literally washed the dirty feet of his disciples. And then he called all of his followers to do the same thing, in humility, to serve one another. You see, Jesus Christ came to earth to serve. The literal God of the universe was willing to leave the splendors of heaven and come to a broken and a fallen world. Not only that, but but he served and and, and cared for many here on earth. He he healed the sick. He fed the hungry. And eventually he served as he went to the cross to pay the debt that we could not pay. And last week we ended the service by being reminded that God calls us to serve him by serving others. Greatness in the kingdom of God always involves grabbing a hold of the towel of the servant. So if you were here last week, let me ask you, how did you do this week? How did you take advantage of the opportunities to serve others? Did you take advantage of the opportunity to serve others? And and in so doing, walk on the road to greatness. If you didn't, Or if you didn't do as well as you'd like, the good news is you're going to have opportunities today and tomorrow and this week and in the future to to serve others. This morning, we're going to spend some time looking at the heart and the mind of an authentic server. In other words, what does a real servant think How do they act? What kind of attitudes are involved in being an authentic servant? Now, clearly we are not going to cover everything the Bible says about being a servant because that would take many, 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 many weeks. But my desire is that when you leave here this morning, in your mind, that you will have a better picture of what it looks like to be a real servant. And I hope in doing so, it will allow you Two things. One, to kind of assess where are you at in this effort to be a servant. And it'll also give us a target to shoot for. Last week, we looked at a couple of larger sections uh, uh, from the Bible. This week, we're actually going to look at a variety of smaller uh, verses in the Bible or sections, and that's why if you didn't get one, before you leave, you might want to grab a bulletin or jot some of these things down so through the week, you can kind of look some of this stuff up and and give it some consideration. First verse, Galatians 6.10. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he says, "'Therefore,' As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are part of the family of believers. The Apostle Paul, in writing the church in Galatia, gives two truths that I want us to understand this morning. One is a simple definition of what it means to serve. He writes, let us do good to all people. That is the very definition of what it means to serve others. Listen to this. Anytime, anytime we do something for the benefit of others, we are serving. Anytime we do something for the benefit of others, we are serving. Serving really involves looking outside of ourselves beyond our problems, beyond our our concerns, and seeks to bring value to others. Doing good for others, bringing value to others, any of that is involved in serving. The second truth that I don't want us to miss from a Galatians 6.10 is our first characteristic of a real servant, and it's this. Real servants make themselves available to serve. Real servants make themselves available to serve. And you've probably heard the expression that we make time for what's important to us. And since Jesus taught that greatness is achieved by serving others, doesn't it make sense that we intentionally create time to serve? Absolutely it does. Real servants then don't fill up their calendar with all kinds of things that that eventually won't really matter in eternity. Instead, they create margin in their lives for the purpose of being available to serve. Let me ask you, how, how much margin do you have in your schedule in the next week for the purpose of being available to serve, to jump in when the opportunity presents itself? If your neighbor's basement flooded, would you have the ability to carve out some time to go help them literally bail out? If someone from your small group suddenly needed a meal, would you be able to prepare one and deliver one? If someone unexpectedly needed a ride somewhere, could, could you drop what you're doing in order to give them a ride? Real servants make themselves available to serve by giving up control of their air quotes, agenda, and realigning their priorities with God's agenda. And God's agenda is always going to involve daily serving and meeting the needs of others. Let's be honest, if we make ourselves available to serve others, if you and I start the day by saying, Lord, I am yours, it's, it's your life, I'm living, uh, I am more than happy to be available to help serve in any way that you would like. If we start the day that way, how often do you think God is not going to choose to answer that prayer? I doubt it would be very often if ever. So doesn't it make sense to begin to build some margin into our schedules to be available to serve? Of course it does. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, as we have opportunity Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong in the family of believers. Paul is not in that verse suggesting that the only time that we serve is if we have the time. He's saying when the opportunity arises to serve, make the time to take advantage of that opportunity. Let's take a look at Galatians 6.10 from the message translation of the Bible. It says, right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. A number of years ago, when I was on staff at Crossroads in in Wauseon, we had an elder there by the name of Ken Jones. And Ken and his wife just had servant hearts. I remember him saying at one point that when he and his wife, Trish, were asked to serve in some way or another, they simply approach that opportunity with the attitude, unless God makes it clear that they should not be involved in that opportunity, we just assume it's an assignment from God. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful approach and and demonstrates clearly the heart of a servant. When God puts someone right in your path with a need, Why not consider it an opportunity to serve? Now, now in saying that, I understand all human beings have limits. God does not expect us to be involved in everything. I think Levi used the phrase, our names are not on everything, and I believe that to be true. But he does expect all of his children to be involved regularly in serving others at some level or another some service opportunities are incredibly simple and small it might simply be opening the door for someone it might be picking up some trash or loading the dishwasher so that someone else in your family doesn't have to do it some service opportunities are are a little bigger deal than that they might require some special skills or abilities it might be a car repair or a home repair somebody's moving And I want to encourage you that there are some projects that are beyond one person. You might actually have to recruit a team to serve and to help others. But servants make themselves available to meet needs. But that's not all they do. Look at Colossians 3. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. So real servants serve others like they serve Jesus. Whether we're serving our employer or our family or our church family or our neighbors, we are to serve with the same energy as if we are serving the Lord. Listen to what Jesus taught in Matthew 25. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Church, did you get what he's saying? Whenever we serve someone in need, whenever we meet a practical need, whether it's something simple or something significant, it pleases Jesus as much as if you were doing it for him. Let that soak in. Grab a hold of that. So when you hold the door open for someone that's approaching the door behind you and let them enter in first, it's as if you were holding the door open for Jesus himself. If you chose to send an anonymous gift card to someone to stretch their grocery budget a little bit this month, it would be as if you were doing that for Jesus. Students, I know how the lunch, the lunch thing works. You kind of have your own group of people that you sit with, and that's, that's cool. But sometimes, you know, you notice there's a lonely student in your lunchroom. If you were to invite them to sit with you and your friends, it would be as if you saw Jesus as lonely and inviting him and welcoming him To your friendship group. Jesus says, Whatever, whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do for me. And, church, I don't know about you, but but this truth motivates me to serve. It doesn't matter if the person that you held the door open for you acknowledges or shows appreciation for your efforts because it honors the lord it doesn't matter that no one knows even the person who received the gift card that you sent it because the lord knows and it honors him it doesn't matter if the lonely student even chooses to sit with you and your friends or not the invitation itself honors jesus and jesus was the one who created us He's the one who loves us with an everlasting love, the one who paid the price on the cross for every single sin that we have ever committed. He's the one that took our guilt and gave us his righteousness. He's our risen and coming again, Lord and Savior and eternal King. Church, I get it though. There is a price to be paid for being a servant. Serving others, quite frankly, at times is inconvenient. Serving others by getting involved in their lives can get a little messy at times. Serving others typically requires some level of sacrifice. And in those times, let the truth that anytime time we serve others, we are ultimately serving Jesus himself. Let that motivate us. In fact, we should never go into a service opportunity expecting anything other than an opportunity to honor Jesus. We aren't ever supposed to to do it to to win influence or to win praise and approval from others. We serve simply as an act of worshiping the Lord. There are two more attributes that I want us to to look at this morning. And a couple of verses for this third one from Philippians chapter 2 verses three to eight. This is familiar. You've probably heard this before, but uh, let this sink in. It says, do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, if you've got a Bible of your own, you might underline in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, and here it is. "'Who, being in very nature God, "'did not consider equality with God "'something to be used to his own advantage. "'Rather, he made himself nothing, "'taking on the very nature of a servant, "'being made in human likeness, "'and being found in appearance as a man. "'He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, "'even death on a cross.'" And in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says, Clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Characteristic number three of an authentic servant is this. Real servants are humble. And this is probably the marking feature of a servant's heart. Real servants do not intentionally promote themselves, They don't call attention to themselves. In fact, they would prefer to keep a low profile when they serve others. They don't don't serve for the applause or the approval of people. They serve and they live with an audience of one. The most significant God-honoring service is, in fact, often totally, totally unseen. Here at Crossroads Church, and I'm sure... This is true of other churches as well. There are people who serve the Lord regularly by serving the rest of us in ways that even the leadership here, in ways that even Levi and I are unaware of because they are doing it not to get recognition but simply to honor the Lord. Listen to what Jesus taught about serving in order to be recognized by others. In Matthew 6, 1, he says... Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, if you are serving just to be seen, if you are serving to look good or to earn the praise of others, that may be good and fine. But don't expect God to thank you for that kind of service. And church, I don't know, maybe you guys are all better people than I am, but uh, I I tend to find that most of us really do like a little bit of recognition for the things that we do. Uh, We want our spouse to walk into the room just when we're putting the dishes away or loading the laundry. Uh, We want our boss to walk in when we're going the extra mile and being a team player at work. Uh, We want our mom or dad to walk in when we're helping our brother and sister clean their room rather than, than fighting with them. And to be clear, um, there's nothing wrong with receiving some level of recognition. Jesus didn't say we wouldn't be rewarded if we're recognized. He said, if our heart's motivation was to serve in such a way as to be recognized by others, we shouldn't expect a reward in heaven. And there's a difference there. One other thing about humility is that humility is often misunderstood today. Most people believe that in order to be humble, you have to consider yourself a worthless person. And that's absolutely not true. Humility is an attitude of the heart that has an accurate view of yourself. A humble person, in fact, can be the most gifted, the most talented person in the room. But a humble person is secure in their connection with Jesus True humility ultimately is the absence of pride. It's a disregard for power, prestige, possessions, and position, those things that that drive our culture. The humble person does not see themselves as any more valuable or less valuable than others. And church, humility really is a big deal. Jesus taught that for everyone who exalts themselves, they will be humbled. And he or she who humbles themselves will be exalted. Simply put, humble people don't look to be recognized. They don't think that they're too good for certain jobs. They're happy to do things behind the scenes where there's not any recognition. They, they often do the thankless jobs with joy in their hearts. How in the world do people serve day in and day out without recognition and do it with joy in their hearts? That's the last characteristic of a real servant. Number four, real servants base their identity in Christ. Real servants don't need to impress anyone because they aren't looking to other people to validate their self-worth. Since they find their self-worth in their relationship with Jesus Christ, they are incredibly secure people. And, and when it comes down to it, only secure people can truly serve in a biblical way because insecure people are always worrying about what other people think. For many years, I've been a a part of a men's Bible study that meets on Thursday evenings, and right now, we're actually studying the book of James. And many of you may already know this, but but the author of the book of James is said to be the brother, the half-biological brother, even, of Jesus Christ himself. You think of it, if Jesus is your older brother... You could walk around town, and when people say, uh, who was that guy that restored sight to the blind? Uh, who was the guy who fed 5,000 5, people with a sack lunch? Uh, who was the guy that literally brought a man back to life? Uh, who was the, the, the man that was crucified, buried, and rose again from the grave? And you could raise your hand and say, yep, that was my brother. James himself was a very significant and prominent early leader in the church. And yet when when he was used of God to literally write Bible, think about that, being being used to write Bible, we know it's ultimately all from God. But but think about that, James could have introduced his book of the Bible in in a very different way. But in James one, verse one, this is how James chooses to introduce himself. James, a servant, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a real servant understands who they are in Christ. That in relationship with Jesus Christ, they could never be any more loved, they could never be any more secure or significant or accepted. A real servant is secure enough, again, to do jobs that nobody else wants to do, like washing other people's feet. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't wash other people's feet out of weakness. He washed other people's feet out of greatness. Author and pastor Rick Warren said this, When you base your self-worth and identity on your relationship to Jesus, You are freed from the expectations of others, and that allows you to really serve them best. Servants don't need to cover their walls with plaques and awards to validate their work. They don't need to be addressed by titles, and they don't wrap themselves up in robes of superiority. Real servants simply serve others in humility, out of gratitude for what Christ has already done. Churches, I kind of wind this second message up. I hope that by now you are convinced that serving others is not a low calling. Serving others is a high calling. Several servants have had a huge impact on my life, and I want to introduce you to three of them. None of these are from Crossroads Napoleon. Not that we don't have great servants here, but these are people from my past. Uh, one of them is a man by the name of Dave Vinton. and I think we've got a picture of him. This picture was taken last Wednesday. I had the opportunity to, to do a little teaching at a Thanksgiving service at my home church in central Illinois. Dave Vinton, years and years and years and years ago, decided to be a third grade Sunday school teacher. And when I was there, I was there with five or six of my rowdy friends and we were more interested in having fun than learning about Jesus. But Dave Vinton showed up every single week with a a Bible lesson prepared and patiently taught. And at one point in time in the year, Dave Vinton invited me to give my life to Jesus Christ, and I chose to do so. And my life has never been the same. And I say this as humbly as as I can. If God has in any of the 53 years that I have been on this earth, if God has used me in any way to bless or to be helpful to someone else, Dave Vinton shares in that. He, he was the, the spiritual father of mine. And, and so, I appreciate his servant heart being willing to give up whatever he was doing to faithfully for many years, serve in the third grade Sunday school class, which is also, again, a reminder for any of you thinking about getting involved in serving children. It makes an eternal difference. It impacts all kinds of people. Another servant that's impacted my life was another Sunday school teacher when I was in junior high. His name was Roy Goetz, and Roy Goetz was a block layer, never had a a formal Bible uh, class in his life, But for two years, he would take junior high students through the book of Romans. And to be honest, I don't remember a word that that Roy Goetz ever taught us. I'm sure there were things that stuck, but what I do remember is that week in and week out, Roy Goetz came into that class and valued us as human beings. He loved us. I've never in my life, I got to meet him again on Wednesday, he's 88 years old, I have never had a conversation with Roy Goetz where he was hurried in any way. When I talk to Roy Goetz, he looks me in the eye and I feel like I'm the only person in his life. He made an indelible mark in my life. The third and final servant that I want to mention this morning, um, I met in the early 90s. When Lynn and I transitioned uh, to Crossroads, Wauseon, it was before I was on staff there, I met a guy by the name of Orville Frickey, and Orville has since gone on to to heaven. But when I met Orville, he owned a a roofing company by the name of Bodek outside of Archibald, and uh, Orville was one of the simplest men that I've ever met. Although by the time that I met him, he had done fairly well for himself in business. Orville never drove a flashy car. He, he never wore flashy uh, clothes or anything like that. But when it came to serving others, Orville was the real deal. Orville and his wife, over the course of many years, fostered 42 teenage boys in their own home, along with raising their own children. Orville helped found what was called Solid Rock Missions. It's now Solid Rock International uh, it's a ministry in the poorest barrio of the Dominican Republic. Uh, some of you have been there. We've sent teams there. Uh, not only have they, they built medical clinics, they've built churches and schools as well. Countless people in the Dominican Republic have been served by Orville. Orville ran his roofing business outside of Archibald by hiring the kinds of people that no one else would hire. Some of you know what that's like. You get a mark in your past and nobody will ever take a chance on you. Orville took a chance on anybody who needed him to take a chance. And the final thing I wanna say about Orville is the fact that a number of years ago, Orville founded a halfway house for people dealing with chemical dependency in Alverton, Ohio. And it ran for a number of years. And that halfway house actually was the the seed of what is now the Renewal Center here in Napoleon, continuing to help people uh, fight and and have victory over addictions. Now, as we wrap up, I want to let you know, not all of us are going to be Orville Fricky, okay? But he was a simple man that was used in great ways, primarily because he was available, But you and I, we can serve in any way that that God wires us to serve with the small opportunities that he brings our way. In fact, most of the opportunities we have to serve are very small. I want to list a few as I close. We can smile at people. Ever seen the difference that a smile can make? We can treat the cashier in a busy Christmas season like a human being We can ask them how they're doing and genuinely meet it. We can write a handwritten note to someone. We can donate items or finances to an established uh, organization like Together We Make a Difference here in Napoleon. We can be a good listener to people who really need someone to listen. We can be patient with others. Being patient adds value to other people. We can, this is one most of us need to work on, Uh, we can keep our cell phone in our pocket when we're having a conversation with a human being. We can thank a teacher or coach for what they're they're doing. Church, anything that benefits or brings value to others is an act of service and it honors Jesus. I said this at the close of my message last week and I wanna say it again this morning As we finish out 2021, and we think about launching into 2022, may we as individuals and collectively as a church family travel the road to greatness as we humbly serve others. This morning, I want to leave you with a final quote from a man by the name of John Wesley. and John Wesley is an old dead guy. He's an Englishman that was the founder of the Methodist Church in England. I'm not sure if you've heard this, but this is uh, worth even putting on your mirror or your, your car. John Wesley says, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can. In all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can you want that send me an email or google it john wesley service quote let's pray father god we want to do that we really do recognize and believe that you have given your all to serve us when we least deserved it there's no amount of ever doing enough good to pay you back lord but our desire is out of gratitude and humility and love for you and for others to be servants, and Lord, I would be desperately remiss if I didn't thank you for the number of genuine servants here at Crossroads Napoleon, and not only at Crossroads Napoleon, but but in your church worldwide, Lord. Thank you that by your grace and your mercy, empowered by your Holy Spirit, you have the ability to take selfish human people and transform them to loving servants. And Lord, we want that transformation to happen more and more and more in our own lives. Lord, today and in the days ahead, uh, may our eyes and our hearts be open to the opportunities that you put right in front of us. Uh, Tap our shoulders. uh, Help us to be aware and remember of the opportunities we have to serve you by serving others. And uh, Lord, help us to do that. Uh, And Lord, Forgive us for the times where when we serve, it it really becomes about us. We don't want that. We want you to be honored and glorified. And so uh, help us to serve again with humility. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for your love and your faithfulness. Uh, May you be honored and glorified in the things that we do and the things that we say and even the attitudes of our hearts as we leave here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.